May we have your attention, please? When the first issue of Leading Health and Safety on Britain's Railway was published in February 2016, the vision for addressing road risk was to develop an understanding of our exposure to all aspects of road risk through improved reporting and analysis. Since then, we've certainly found out one thing. As we said in the first episode of this series on road driving risk, in the 10 years between 2009 and 2019, 10 of our colleagues died while on duty as a result of road accidents. That's half of all workforce fatalities for that period. The good news is we've come a long way since then. A road risk group has been set up and this will plan and lead the activities to address the strategic challenges set out in the third issue of Leading Health and Safety on Britain's Railway. Today I'll be talking with Steve Enright, regular motorcyclist, occasional bus driver and also chair of the road risk group about the Occupational Road Risk Management Charter. Having leaders from across the industry, including the wider supply chain, sign up to the Charter will be a significant step in addressing strategic challenges 1, 4 and 5 for road risk in the current issue of LHSBR. Steve, welcome to the RSSB podcast and thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. As a first-time visitor, can I ask you to introduce yourself to our audience and tell us how you came to your current role in the railway? Yes, thanks, Ant. I'm pleased to be here. My role is the Abellio Transport Holdings UK Head of Safety, Security and Sustainability. I first joined the railway industry with Southern in a safety role. And previously, I'd worked in aviation in safety and security and environmental matters, but also in the road and marine industries as well in safety roles. Thank you for sharing that. You obviously have a wide range of experience to bring to this subject. Could I first ask you to outline what the Charter includes and who you want to sign it? Yes, indeed. The Charter asks companies to sign up to the Driving for Better Business programme. And that's to assure they're meeting their minimum legal requirements. And that absolutely is the foundation of safety management. It also asks us to contribute to the further development of the programme so that we go beyond that simple legal compliance into a culture of continual improvement. So that's asking for engagement with it. Those who sign up should be the industry leaders. We'll be asking them to commit their organisations for the work that we need to do as an industry here. Now, the benefits bring consistency across the industry. So we're all approaching this from the same tangent. We're all doing the same things in the same way. Collaborating, bringing our learning together, the good practice, the best practice, helping each other along, bringing some innovation to it. Where we've already had some proven success, we can bring that as an example of when we signed up with Leading Health and Safety on Britain's Railways. We all got together and collaborated And this is simply another build on top of that approach and process. Thank you, Steve. That all sounds a very admirable intention, but let me play devil's advocate here. I'm the CEO or MD of Company X. I know my business and I know my fleet of vehicles. Why should I sign the charter and commit to collaboration with a bunch of companies I don't work with? Well, and much as you may think you're just your own company, working in a specialist area, We are actually all interlinked. This industry relies on work being undertaken across all the functions and all our employees and contractors are all traveling on the roads at the same time. That's certainly one basic aspect of of this. No one travels alone. And we're often traveling on very similar routes to similar destinations. 
because of the geography and locations of our businesses. So someone who's a supplier in the engineering world may well be driving a goods vehicle along the same roads that a driver who's going to pick up his next train in a taxi may be, or a rail replacement bus coming the other way. So certainly our road geography and our railway geography run side by side because it's the only way we get to those same destinations. And it's much better for the industry to work collaboratively to do the work once rather than all of us trying to do this in an ad hoc way, each company doing the whole thing by itself. I mean, a good example of that is the collaboration that the rail freight companies have engaged in. They're leading on this significantly. And it means they're all committed to this as business as usual. They've done that with their freight operator safety group. Consistency is important. And as the industry changes and people may change roles or companies, that consistency gives us a bedrock to be reliant upon. It helps the regulator understand our commitment. It helps our safety culture because people get what they expect. And the approach is risk-based and people-oriented. I mean, there are 2,000, about 2,000 deaths on the road in the UK every year, another 20,000 serious injuries also associated with that. And if you add to that the impact across society, then those numbers begin to reach pandemic numbers affected to sort of use current parlance. And that means that we are actually all engaged in this together. We all know somebody who's had a, a some sort of accident or incident on the road, some of them very tragic, some of them minor. But that spreads across all our employees, across all our businesses. So we're not doing this alone. Okay, Steve, you're starting to show me it might be a good thing to sign the charter, but the COVID-19 pandemic has put enormous strain on my business. I'm not even sure what my business is going to look like in 18 months' time, and my people are already stretched. Why would I want to commit to even more work? Well, it's necessary is the first thing, as I say, that's the the legal requirement. But the charter approach is efficient. Um, It doesn't add any more work than is necessary. It takes you to that minimum legal requirement as the first step. What it will also do is allow your business to build on the massive experience we've already got in some other places. Some of the stakeholders have been working with as well on this. So I don't see it as an additional strain on your business. I see it very much as taking benefits from that collaborative, collective approach. All the intelligence that's out there, all the good practice that's beginning to emerge, you can steal it with pride and implement it. And again, it will look very much like everybody else's because we're trying to build that consistent approach. Okay, Steve, thank you. But I'm going to continue as the devil's advocate for a moment. Different company this time. I don't have road risk. That's for infrastructure contractors and their supply chain with vans and lorries and like. It doesn't apply to me, so why should I sign the charter? Well, and the risk sits in some places you might not have considered. For example, when we began to look within the road risk group at where the risk sat, we got a bit of an eye-opener, to be honest. For example, if you pay a car allowance to a member of staff or you provide company cars, that exposes you to some degree of road risk. Taxis to move staff around, rail replacement buses, vehicles used to promote accessibility, so take your passengers to the nearest accessible station, for example. All those aspects, unless you sit down and risk assess them and have some support in doing that, you might not be aware of. Now, the support offered by the road risk group, the templates provided by Driving for Better Business, and association with the Association of Road Risk Managers help you assess these things easily efficiently and effectively and uncover that risk that you might not have seen before. 
Okay, Steve, I can see that I do have a road driving element to my safety risk, but what else is there in it for me? What can you add to my business case for investing precious resources in this area right now? Well, and what I'd first of all say is the thing that got me involved in health and safety at the very beginning of my career in this area, and that's the ethical concern. If you see something that needs addressing, then I don't believe you can possibly walk past it and not pay some attention to it. You need to engage in it and do it simply because it's what we should all do, that good neighbour principle. But there are definite benefits for your people. You're showing your staff that you care about them and you're meeting your responsibilities in this particular area. We've already given examples of where your people will be engaged face to face with road risk in a way. Your regulator will be impressed and it's always great to love your regulator and have them love you. Your passengers will be impressed because you'll be contracting to, for example, safe taxis and safe replacement bus companies. Your insurance broker might be reasonably impressed that you're taking this aspect of risk seriously, particularly when you consider the number of incidents and accidents on the roads. It might have a beneficial impact on your overall insurance costs, but it also might save you in terms of investigation costs, repair costs of vehicles. Certainly your reputation will improve and your safety culture is likely to benefit as well. If you do look at the Occupational Road Risk Management Charter page on the RSSB website, you'll see that it's got some endorsements there. The Office of Rail and Road are endorsing it and the Department of Transport and some others too. But those two bodies, they look closely at how well we manage our own safety systems. I mean, you can work out for yourself how important that's going to be. Indeed. Thank you very much, Steve, for taking the time to talk through all of this. I think you've convinced me that my hypothetical company, whatever its place in the supply chain, should sign up to the Charter. And I hope you've strengthened the case for other listeners too. And to you, our audience, thank you for listening. There are links to the things that we've talked about, as well as some other useful resources in the blog for this episode on the RSSB website. As ever, if you have any questions or suggestions about this episode or any other, please email me at podcasts at rssb.co.uk. But for now, thank you and goodbye. (laughs) 